Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. Uh, it is FFCC week. I hope you're all enjoying your drafts, those of you that, that have entered. It is, it's been certainly a, a pretty mental 24 hours, an obscene amount of draft picks, some... Uh, some interesting ADP results, Liam. How are you finding your uh, your FFCC experience? I haven't looked at the ADP yet, um, but no, it's good. It's something new to consider because, as Murph mentioned on his part last week, you can't take too many players. Not that you'd ever want to do it anyway, but you can't take too many players within the same bye weeks or within two weeks of each other on a bye. Um, because you you could get knocked out if you have too many of your best players out on the same matchup. So it's uh, it's something interesting to to think about and kind of decentifies is a stacking, which I know we went through last week with Tom. Yeah, I, I think, I don't know if it's just how I draft, but I seem to draft and then I'll get to like the 15th round and be like, oh yeah, I forgot about bye weeks. I should probably look at them. Um, so yeah, maybe that says more about how I draft, where I'm value obsessed and player obsessed rather than uh, specifically setting up buys. But um, but yeah, how how how's your draft gone? What what have you gone so far? So I was picking from the 11th spot. Um, we're a pretty slow draft at the moment, so I think we've just got past my third pick. So I went 
with uh, Dak Prescott to start with at the 111. Then at the 202, I went Zeke, taking a little bit of a risk on that uh, double bye week on the week seven, but we'll see how that goes. And then followed it up with Ryan Tannehill in the third round. So um, just waiting for that. 12th player to make his double pick and then it'll be back to me so I'm not sure who I'm going to go next I think for me I, I'm targeting these best tournaments I've basically said to myself I'm going to go quarterback and running back early as those sort of volume based positions and then I'm just going to load up on running back and uh, wide receiver and tight end late and um, so I've gone Lamar and Austin Eckler early um, I was then praying that Aaron Rodgers made it back to me in the third because I I've, I've was convinced that he was staying all along. And he got sniped two picks ahead of me, so I ended up reaching perhaps for Jalen Hurts, which I'll, I'll be honest, I felt a bit sick doing when I did. But I figured in a tournament like this, I've got to go upside, and there's not many guys that have got his level of upside. Um, and then I was eyeing up, Calvin Ridley fell ridiculously, and I was thinking, I'm going to get Calvin Ridley at the 402 and be very happy, and then he went 401. So I've got Keenan Allen at the 402 which I'm, I'm not disappointed with. Keenan Allen's my redraft wide receiver five. I think I'm higher than most, but yeah, it was, it's, it's not been an enjoyable draft for me so far. I've been sniped in every round, so can't complain. Keenan Allen's a, a good consolation prize for Ridley though. I, I'd take Yeah. That. Yeah. It's not, not quite the prize I wanted, but I'll settle for it. Um, so we hinted at some of the big news there, Liam, as a, as a Packers fan, Rogers staying put, He's bring, bringing the band back together for, for the last go around. We see Randall Cobb breaking news as we're recording that he is uh, he's going to join the Packers and, and as they bring back all the, the receivers from five years ago. I'm sure Greg Jennings is somewhere <laughs> waiting, for, waiting for a call, although I don't think Rogers and him are, are speaking, so maybe not. Um, are, you, are you happy? Were you expecting oh, it all along? Or? I was expecting it all along, but it still is nice to have it over and done with now um i'm expecting jordy nelson to get a call before greg Jennings, <laughs> but yeah i'm just so relieved to have it over and done with now and have all that talk gone um twitter has been or at least packers twitter should i say has been unbearable over the past couple of months but um i don't expect that to change but they'll just find something new to start moaning about so We'll see. But yeah, absolutely thrilled that it's finally over. I think, you know, and, and to, to plug a podcast we did a couple of weeks ago, I think the way that Rogers' contract was set up, I said as soon as they drafted Jordan Love, well, Aaron Rodgers has got two years in Green Bay and then they're going to move him on. And it, it seems that that's going to be the way. And I think that, you know, to go back to what we said there, a lot of contract, a lot of times the contracts tell you exactly what was happening. And short of Aaron Rodgers retiring, which I think we all knew he wasn't going to do, he just didn't have, this was the only way he could get any leverage over the situation. And he's basically saying, right, we'll have one last go. We'll try and win a title this year. And if not, I'm going to go somewhere else. And fair play to him, you know. But um, the, the the other big news of the week, Liam, was obviously the Michael Thomas injury. Um, we heard news that the ankle hadn't recovered after he'd come back from, from injury last year and sort of played on it. it had had surgery in June. Um, looking like probably a late September, middle of October as a potential return, which means he's, I think he's penciling in that sort of week, week six, seven by after the buy, sorry, that he's going to come back. Do you think this is big news? Do you think it 
affects that entire kind of New Orleans offense? Or yeah, so it, it's not only going to affect Thomas, but it's going to affect the the whole offense, in my opinion. Troutman's value or perceived value, I'm going to say, is going to go through the roof now that he's going to have a couple of games with basically no competition other than uh, Kamara in the backfield. Um, not saying that I would pay anything more than what he's currently going for. In fact, I'm not even paying what he's currently going for. But um, if you're if you've got Troutman, I'd probably be looking to sell either now or in the first couple of games when he gets a good live target. Well, I think um, I think now is the time to sell. I think for me, we do this every off season. We overhype these tight ends that have never done anything, and we start saying, you know, look at the targets, look at the role in the offense. You know, we do it every single year, and every single August September time the price goes through the roof. And for me, it's happening with Adam Troutman. It's happening with Cole Komet. It's, it's still happening with Smith. Yes, those guys could break out and be absolute stud tight ends. But for me, I'd rather take a, a tight end that, that has already produced than try and project one that hasn't. Um, and I think that, as you said, people are talking. I saw Adam Troutman go as a tight end seven or tight end eight in one of, uh, I think in, in, in the Warrior Bowl draft we've just done, I think he went tight in seven in my league. Um, that's that's just outrageous. I'm I'm not touching him at that price. If you can sell him in dynasty for, you know, a high second, uh, I've, there's some talk of him potentially getting a first in tight end premier leagues. I am snatching that hand off and running away before the rest of the league start complaining because it's it's outrageous his price right now. Yeah, definitely. Just give me the pick on any of those that you just said. Um, but relating this back to Thomas, I took him in the Warrior Bowl at. I think it was my fifth pick and um, I've seen a lot of tweets and a bunch of drafts where Thomas is now falling to the sixth, maybe seventh or eighth rounds. What are you doing with him at his ADP? Where are you taking him, Rich? I think from a redraft perspective, I think I, I'm one of these that quite likes taking a punt on people like Michael Thomas if they're going to be injured because I think... I back myself to kind of muddle my way to a decent record for five or six weeks. And if I'm then getting a, you know, a true wide receiver one for seventh, eighth, ninth round value, then, then I'm, I'm delighted. Um, I tend to look at it as, as long as I can get decent starters. So if it's say three receiver league, if he's my wide receiver four, I'm delighted. Um, If, if I'm having to draft him before that, I'm, I'm probably not. Um, from a dynasty perspective, I don't know what you're doing, Liam, but I've, I was always a little bit nervous about Michael Thomas without Drew Brees. Um, so I've, I've not got any shares of Michael Thomas because I sold him two years ago when I said he was the biggest sell high ever. Um, and I've, I've not bought him since. And I think for me, if you've got him, I think you've got to hold him because I don't think you're going to get fair value. And I don't feel comfortable going out and buying him right now because I think you're still probably having to pay probably a first and a second in most leagues. Um, I mean, do, do you agree? Do you think he could be a good buy candidate? No, I, I'm with you. The only share I have of Michael Thomas is one where I took him the season after his wide receiver one overall um, when I was co-owning with uh, a good mate. Um, and it's the only share I've ever had of Thomas. And that just completely backfired. He had a horrible season last season through injury. And now this has broke as well. So 
Yeah, I, I think if you've got him in Dynasty, you're holding until he comes back and plays a couple of games. And if he has a big first couple of games, then you you could be on a good path to selling him there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's there's there's not much you can you can do with him at the moment, really. But um as we're talking about the Saints offense, it's a, a nice little segue um into today's subject. So what we're gonna be talking through is um some of the big kind of training camp battles, I guess, some of the the big positional um kind of discrepancies, what we're seeing as uncertain areas within a lot of teams, whether that be quarterback, running back or wide receiver um, and kind of what we think will happen and, and what we're expecting from a dynasty perspective. So kicking things off with the quarterback position, we're talking about Saints offense, obviously Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, are we going to see the 30-30 or now 20-20 with his, uh, his laser eye surgery, Jameis Winston? Um, or are we going to see the tight end turned quarterback, Taysom Hill? What, what do you think, Liam? Honestly, I have no idea. I want <laughs> it to be Win. I want it to be Winston. I think every fantasy manager wants it to be Winston. But I can really see them going with Hill now that Michael Thomas is out for the first couple of weeks or the first five to six weeks. Um, I, I think. Hill just brings a different type of offense and with the receivers that they have, I think that's the offense that they're going to be going for. Winston, I can see getting thrown in there once Hill, uh, or once Thomas comes back, sorry, and Hill maybe isn't as effective throwing the ball. But then I know that now I'm going to get a load of people on Twitter coming at me for not respecting Hill's deep ball and they're just going to throw a bunch of videos at me. I think for me, I think that now the Michael Thomas injuries happened, I think Taysom Hill makes more sense as a quarterback for the New Orleans Saints, which is a ridiculous statement. And I feel horrible saying it because I once said that Taysom Hill would never take a snap as a quarterback in the NFL. But I just think that I can easily see this Saints offense being that, you know, 22, 21 personnel. We're going to see a lot of two tight end sets. We're going to see a lot of, you know, heavy personnel, Taysom Hill and at quarterback, built around that power football. And as you mentioned, Taysom Hill's got a strong arm. You can stick Deontay Harris or Traycon Smith out on the outside. They've got a shady safety over the top. And, and almost, you know, Sean Payton saying, I can win games with this offense. And I think it could see him as a, you know, a slightly kind of almost like a challenge for Sean Payne to prove how clever he is. Whereas I think James Winston is that sort of, you know, risk reward pick where you don't know exactly what you're going to get. And I think for Sean Payton, that's, that's probably not the path he's going to go down. And I think that you've seen it with a lot of the kind of training camp talk of, Early on, it was James Winston's going to win the job. James Winston's going to win the job. And then as soon as Michael Thomas news broke, it was, oh, it's 50-50. Or the, the boot ports were saying, oh, it's, it's looking more like Taysom Hill. And I think for me, I think that's the way it's going to go. If I was a gambling man, I wouldn't be putting any money on this. I have, same as you said, no idea. I, I'm avoiding having to make a decision on either of these. But I do think you know, shifting to dynasty side. James Winston's currently quarterback 28. Taysom Hill's currently quarterback 33 in terms of ADP. I, I, yes, I don't really fancy spending that price on a potential backup. 
But if you can get both of them at that price, that's outrageous. We've seen when James Winston's on the field, he's an absolute fantasy stud. We've seen when Taysom Hill's on the field as a quarterback, with his rushing potential, he is an absolute fantasy stud. Would you be shocked, Liam, if whichever of these quarterbacks starts all 17 games and ends up as a, a QB1 come um, December time? I'd be more surprised if Hill did, um, but I really don't think either of them are going to start a full season. I think when we're deciding who we want out of these two, we're going to have to pose the question as who's going to start more games because I do think it's going to be a very close split between the the amount of games. But to me, I, I, I agree with you. I can't pick between the two. But if I can get both, I'm delighted because I think that whoever does start and you're going to know who's going to be starting each week. It's, you know, we talk about volume-based positions being more reliable in terms of spot starts. You're going to know going into the game who's going to be the quarterback. If you can pick the Saints quarterback for the season with the potential that Hill and Winston have got, I think this could be a fantasy goldmine. And you're having to pay, what, maybe second-round picks, probably a little bit cheaper than that. You can probably get either of them as a throw-in in, you know, in, in bigger trades. If you can collect that Saints quarterback as your QB3, I, I think it could be a little bit of a cheat code. Am, am, I, getting, am I getting too hyped? I, I think you are. I think you need to <laughs> I think you need to bring it down a level. I, I agree with you that overall over a fantasy season, they could be really good as a one-two punch. But with how uncertain we are on who's actually going to start this season, who's going to play the most games what happens if you have both quarterbacks or at least even one and then when you're in a big matchup hill gets pulled for win win uh winston because there's they need to throw the ball more or vice versa like winston's just throwing three picks and they the throw hill in it, it you're going to lose matchups in my mind because they are going to pull them more yeah. often than you would expect I guess that's you know that's a very sensible point and a very sensible point of view and and raining on my parade slightly later. But, um, <laughs> I appreciate I, that, Rich. I'll take I, that as a compliment. I guess what I'm viewing is is that what we saw from Sean Payton last year when Drew Brees was down was that he made a decision and he stuck with it. It wasn't a case of he platooned the two. And I guess I'm hoping that that situation would happen. Yeah, you know I could easily sit with egg on my face and and as you said it could be a platoon of the two quarterbacks all season, but. I guess I, I, I like to live with the old adage of if you've got two quarterbacks, you've not got one. And I think I think Sean Payton will pick one. Yes, it could change through the season, but I think if you can get both at this price, then uh, then I think you're laughing. So sticking with the quarterback position and, and kind of platooning quarterbacks, in up in Denver, we've got old Teddy Two Gloves. He's currently the quarterback 35 in ADP. And then you've got Drew Locke, who's quarterback 36. So do you think that Drew Locke has um, has got this quarterback position locked up or do you think someone else is going to come in and steal it? That's the only reason you wanted to talk about the Broncos, 100%. just to make that joke. 100%. It's the, only reason I ever, <laughs> it's the only reason I ever mentioned Drew Locke is so that I can get a locked-in joke. <laughs> um honestly i have no idea again i suppose that's why we're talking about it neither of us really have a 
uh, an idea on who's going to start. I think it, for fantasy reasons, I do think Teddy is probably the better play. Um, he had three top 25 wide receivers last year. Um, yes, there is no Kamara, um, no CMC, sorry, but the he still had a good spread out fantasy point. Um, can't think of the word now, but he's, he's spread out his fantasy points basically. And Locke, I think, was frustrating for me last year. I only had him in one league um, and I think it kind of count, uh, compounded with the fact that I also had Danny Dimes in that league as well as my QB2s. I took a bit of punt on both of them and and they were really frustrating to try and see which one I was actually going to start and whether it was the right pick. Um, but honestly, I if for this season at least, I want Teddy to be the starter. But again, I have absolutely no idea which one it's going to be. I think Locke shows the upside. He really does, but I just think Teddy is a safer option. Yeah. I think for me, if I was to sit here and had to pick, I think this is Drew Locke's job to lose. You know, we've seen Vic Fangio's come out today and said Drew Locke's going to take the first snap in training camp and you'd expect that he's the incumbent. But I think this is Denver want, they've got more invested in Drew Locke being the starting quarterback. And I think to me, that tends to mean that come day one, he'll be the starting quarterback. I think you've just got to look at the price that they had to pay to acquire Teddy. It was, what was it, a sixth round pick? It was basically nothing. Um, this is the complete opposite of the New Orleans situation for me. I want no part of this offense. If you could sit here and say, you know, you can guarantee this quarterback is going to start the entire season. I, I still don't want him as my QB4, let alone my QB5. Like, may, maybe you can talk me into QB5. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't want any part of it. I think from a fantasy perspective, it, it's, yeah. Let's just hope that, as you say, maybe Teddy gets the job and and he can get the ball to those you know playmakers. Let's hope that Noah Fant finally breaks out. Let's hope that Cortland Sutton comes back and is a you know a, a top twenty four wide receiver like he was before the injury. And let's let's hope that Jerry Judy can actually you know get some balls that he can catch and and catch the ones that he uh, uh, kind of within his vicinity. Um, but yeah, I, I want no part of this from a, a fancy or a dynasty perspective. I think the only person I want in this offense, other than Javante Williams, who isn't hugely affected by either of these quarterbacks, I suppose, in in my mind anyway, um, is Jerry Judy. And I just think that he's going to improve this season. Um, But I can see you shaking your head already. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I love Jerry Judy. I love a good route runner. You know, it's why I love Kevin Ridley. It's why I love Keenan Allen. I, I think Jerry, I could watch Jerry Judy run routes all day. But to me, this offense runs through Cotland Sutton. And if he is fully fit at his price, I think he is an absolute smash buy. I think he, he's he got top 12 wide receiver upside and his floor is a, a wide receiver too. I think Sutton is, a, is an absolute stud. Um, but we're not here We're not here to discuss Sutton versus Judy. Um, so moving on to the running back position. So we're going to, um, I guess, pick on a couple. I think... We could have sat one of the ones that I wanted to talk about, but I think we're going to skip over was the New York Jets. I think that it's very interesting. I'm not convinced that Michael Carter is going to be, you know, the, the true one back in that offense. I think it is going to be a bit platoon. I think if you ask me who it was going to be, I have no idea. I think there could be some decent value there, but we're going to go to another 
backfield that, that spent a you know a, a, a decent draft pick on a running back, and that's San Francisco. So we've got Raheem Moster, who's coming back off injury. He's he's currently going as the running back thirty eight. You got Trey Sermon, who was that rookie running back we mentioned. He's going as the RB twenty four. Um, and then to throw in, you've also got uh, my guy Jeff Wilson, who's running about fifty nine. Elijah Mitchell's running about sixty one, and Wayne Gorman is running about sixty eight. So, w- what do you think? What do you think happens with this backfield? Do you think we see one person come out and, and kind of take over the job? Do you think it's going to be a platoon all season, or or what? I think you've really got to split this backfield in two. So like like I put it on the show sheet, you've got Moster and Sermon competing for the one role. I think Moster is going to come out with that, but I can see an injury happening because he's he seems to be always injured at some point. Um, and I'm really interested to see how Sermon does perform. I'm not I wasn't a huge fan of him coming out. Um, I liked him as a a middling running back, but I didn't think he was going to be a third rounder. Um, that place for me was Gainwell, and unfortunately, he went in the fourth. So, um, yeah, I, I think really you've got to take your pick out of those two. I think everyone else in this backfield is waiting for an injury. Um, so just running through some of the names, we've got Elijah Mitchell, who I loved his athletic profile coming out. Um, and I know a lot of people on Twitter did as well. He was the sixth rounder that they took. And I, I really liked what I saw on his tape, but there was a, a, a lot of holes. And then you've got Gorman, who they signed from the Giants, um, again, he seemed to perform when Saquon was down before he got injured. But that was such a small sample size. I don't know whether you, you'd you really count that. Um, and he's been signed on a very minimal deal. Uh, one year, essentially prove it deal. Then you've got Wilson, who's also on the PUP at the moment. Um, so it, we'll see. How that goes, Wilson was a, a great pickup on waivers last year. I had him in a couple of leagues and he won me weeks. Those people who are listening to me last year have rostered him every league. I was I was selling him, I was he was one of my must kind of deep sleeper ads uh in the preseason. I had him I had I think I had 90% ownership of him last year, it was obscene. Um but yeah, I think for me, I love this San Francisco offense, particularly that backfield. Last year, if you took the lead back each week in terms of number of carries, so we're not taking the whole backfield, just the lead back, added up all those points they scored, you finished as the RB3 last year. This backfield produces fantasy points. Okay, Normally, I would be sitting there saying, buy every share of of whatever this backfield is, because whoever is going to start on a weekly basis is going to produce. That was prior to them drafting Trey Sermon because where Raheem Mostert was going in that kind of RB30 range, where Jeff Wilson was going, I thought if you could get those two, add in Wayne Gorman, I thought that was a you know a, a fairly cheap backfield you could acquire that was going to produce. Now they've drafted Trey Sermon, I think the prices have, have gone a little bit too rich. I think Trey Sermon could be fantastic but I don't know if he's going to get the workload in his rookie year that we're going to see him be that true fantasy stud. 
I think Raheem Moster, as you highlighted, I think he's going to hang around. I think, you know, this is the fastest running back in, in the league. Yes, he's not the fastest by 40 time, but if you look at next gen stats, I think he had two of the two or three of the fastest um, speeds recorded last year and, and certainly the year before. He is electric and he fits this scheme, this Shanahan scheme perfectly. And you've got Jeff Wilson who showed last year in the four or five games that that he got, you know, the bulk of the carries. He was an absolute stud. So for me, I love this offense. If you can tell me who the guy's going to be, then yes, I'm all in. But for the prices I've got to pay to get Trey Sermon, who's a RB24 currently, I think he's like a fifth round start pick. Raheem Mostert, RB38. It, it's just getting a bit expensive for me um, because I can't have all of those shares. If I'm having those shares, I'm having to draft Trey Sermon as my RB3, Mostert as my RB4. Like, like I've not got the roster construction space to do it. Um, so I think for me, I'm I'm perhaps fading this backfield because I think it's going to be a bit of a muddle. And because there's that one extra asset in the running backfield, I don't think we're going to see last year where you could almost predict every week who you could start. I think this backfield, if Sermon, if most are fit, if Gorman's in there, you know, if Elijah Mitchell's getting some of the passing game work, it, it could be a bit of a mess. And you look at it at the end of the season, and it's like, yeah, those guys were studs. But on a week-to-week basis, you just don't know who to start. And you you hit it, hit the nail on the head completely. If you can tell me who is going to be the the guy to own in that um, backfield every week, then I'm all in. I, I love that offense. I love watching that offense when it's on red zone or what, whatever. I absolutely love watching it. But fantasy-wise, it gives me pure headaches. I don't think there's any other way to put it. I think there's only one other backfield, and that would be New England. That is maybe even worse. Um, but yeah, I just think it's too murky. And unlike some of the other situations that we talk about today, where they, as we get into the season, may become more clear. I don't think this one will become more clear at all during the season. I think the only way it's going to become more clear is when training camp ends and they cut someone like Hasty or Gorman or Wilson, if he's not on the PUP at that point. It really, really depends on who's going to give me those points on a week-to-week basis. And I don't think anyone can ever tell me who that's going to be. Yeah, and I think that, you know, the good thing is you you mentioned New England. At least with New England, everybody's got clear, definable roles. I think Damian Harris is going to be back between the 20s. You've got James White's going to be the passing down back. You've got Ramondre Stevenson's going to be your short yardage goal line back. There's definable roles. You, you can kind of work with that. With this San Francisco offense, everybody's a bit of everything. So if it could be that they find one back and they just roll with that and they're like, yeah, Trey Sermon is the guy. And in which case, Trey Sermon would be, you know, he's probably going to finish as a top 10 back and he would be an absolute steal at his current price. But I just don't feel like they're going to give all the work to one person. I think it is going to be a complete committee. And I think that this backfield could just be kind of a fancy mess and end up, you know, doing nothing basically for your year. So sticking with the backfield in, in the NFC West, going a little bit further south, um, we're talking about Arizona. So you've got Chase Edmonds, currently the RB30, and then you've got the newly signed James Connor, currently going as the RB44. What, what do you think of this backfield, Liam? I'm taking whichever 
use cheaper, which is Connor at the moment. And I, again, I, I'm going to keep saying this. I have no idea who it's going to be. <laughs> That's why they're on the list. But RB44 for someone like James Connor, I think is a really good value side play if you're looking for a, a three or a four, uh, running back three or a four on your roster. Chase Edmonds, he's had good games, but I don't know how he's going to deal with it if he is the pure running back one in that offense. And it's just such a small sample size for me. I think that when I look at these two names, I'm looking at James Connor as the injury plagued running back. And then I've got Chase Edmonds, the small sample size, at least in my eyes. And I don't know which one will be the best to to own. I think I'm going Connor just because if he keeps it healthy and I think having a bigger split rather than being a workhorse like he was in uh, Pittsburgh, I think James Connor will become the better back eventually or will start out the better running back. I just, I'm sceptical on Chase Edmonds. So to basically disagree with everything you're saying, I'm, <laughs> I'm all in on Chase Edmonds in this backfield. I think that for me, I you know, I like to talk about show me the money. I like to talk about contracts, all that kind of thing. If I was to say to you, James Connor signed a smaller contract in terms of total money and guaranteed at signing than Carlos Hyde did in Jacksonville, would you be shocked? Yes. <laughs> but I think that's more because of the Hyde contract more than the Connor contract. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I think Arizona told us everything that you need to know by the money that they paid James Connor. They weren't that bothered about signing a running back. They let James Connor sit out in free agency for a very long time. They were quite happy rolling with Chase Edmonds. Yes, once the price of James Connor dropped to a point that it became palatable, they signed him. But I don't think they went out trying to find a running back to be the lead back. I think they went out to try and find a backup running back. And that is what James Connor paid as. And I think that's what he's going to be. I think they think that Chase Edmonds can be a true every down workhorse. I think he, he showed flashes last year when Kenyon Drake was struggling. I think Chase Edmonds is explosive. I think he is a fantastic receiver. And we, for me, from a fancy perspective, if I can get the bulk of carries and the receiving game usage, then I think that's a really good back. And at price of RB30, I'm really, really comfortable paying those prices. My concern with Chase Edmonds, last year he had one goal line carry. And I am worried that we're going to see Chase Edmonds get all that work between the 20s. And then when it gets into the red zone, we're going to see James Conner come in. So that's my concern. But I think at the price, that concern's kind of abated by, let's be honest, what is a, a reasonable price. If I'm comfortable at the moment paying probably a second for Chase Edmonds, in fact, I'd I went and bought two Chase Edmonds shares last week. Um, I think that he's probably got as much potential of, of any back going outside the top 30 to end up the season as a top 10 back. Now, yes, I'm saying all of this as someone that also said Kenyon Drake was going to be a top 10 back last year. And we all, we all, <laughs> know, we all know how that went. 
Um, but the difference is, is you're not having to pay that price. Last year, Kenyon Drake in redraft was going to like a top 10 back, I think. I think he was a second round pick, wasn't he? Um, and, and now Chase Owens is what, a, a sixth, seventh round pick? Um, so yeah, so I, I'm all in on Chase Edmonds. Again, might end up with egg on my face, but I, 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 I sit here and I say, follow the money, follow the contracts. So I can't then, you know, go ahead and do that. I, yeah, with, with Chase, I really struggle. Um, I, I think he's a great pass catching back, but I really struggle with him on the ground because we haven't seen much of him on the ground. And I think that's kind of where I'm coming from with Connor. I think he's a much more proven back on the ground. But as I said, injuries for Connor. If if he's if he is healthy the whole season, we'll see how it goes. But I very much doubt that Connor is going to be healthy for the whole season. I think I'm with this backfield. I'm just staying away because I don't want Edmonds, as I've already said. <laughs> yeah. Well, breaking breaking news as we're recording the pod. Chase Edmonds has said in his pre-camp press conference, I have both bulked up and slimmed down. So, you know, if a man can bulk up and slim down at the same time, to me, that screams RB1. I think that's it. Close the book. The guy's got it. To me, that's screaming lies, Rich. (laughs) Big lies. I'll be honest. If he's managed to bulk up and slim down, I I need to be on the Chase Edmonds diet because that is impressive. Um, so move, moving on to the to the wide receiver position. So I think here, you know, we could sit here and we could talk about, you know, the Bengals and yes, that three-headed monster, who's going to eat? Let's be honest, they're all going to eat, you know, the same with Tampa Bay. So what we're trying to do is, is look a little bit deeper at some of those cheaper options that aren't as certain and kind of who could fall out. So we're going to start in Detroit. I know this is a wide receiver room that, that you're a big fan of, Liam, and, and your boy Quintus Cephas. Um, so we've got the recently drafted Amon Ross St. Brown, who's currently wide receiver 67. We've got the uh, the much maligned Brashad Perriman as wide receiver 81. And then we've got Tyrell Williams as wide receiver 92. Uh, and then obviously Quintus Cephas, who's, who's currently going undrafted. So, uh, so, so, what do you think of of Detroit? Do you think with Jared Goff under centre, any of these guys are going to be startable? I think one of them is going to be, but yeah, I'm not putting any money on which one it is going to be. Um, You're very much sitting on the fence tonight, Liam. At some yeah, point, I'm going to I'm going to get you off. Honestly, I, I don't want any part of any of these um, wide receiver rooms. To be honest, I think Amon Ross and Brown, I'm staying away from. Uh, he's a rookie. He's going into a bad offense. Um, I don't think there's much there for him. I think if I have to choose, I'm taking Tyrell Williams because he's the wide receiver 92. There is not much to lose at taking him at the, the wide receiver 92. Um, I, I don't know about Cephas. Again, he's a later round rookie pick uh, from last year. He showed a couple of plays I wouldn't even say flashes uh, just a couple of plays that were you didn't fall over when he was running routes is that what you're saying kind of yeah like he made some nice catches but they weren't like the 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 CD lamb catch where he just contorts his body in the end zone You, you, you knew exactly which play I was going for like I think 
with with this offense, I don't know who I want to own if I want to own anyone. Um, I can also see Brishaw Perriman being a, a nice week to week play. Uh, he's got the speed, but it, again, I really don't want anyone if I can help it. I, the, these are the guys that I'm taking as a as a late round shot and just trying to fill my bench with these upside type of plays. And yeah, I want Tyrell Williams if I go anyone here. Yeah. And I think for me, this, you know, I say this quite a lot, but this says everything about what type of dynasty player you are. And at this point in the startup, at this point in my roster construction, I'm just not rostering any of these guys, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown, he's a day three rookie wide receiver. Everybody knows that I don't believe in day three wide receivers. They just don't produce. Rashad Perriman, Tyrell Williams, they're the kind of guys that you probably look at the end of the season. Would I be shocked if one of them finished as a, you know, a top 36 wide receiver at the end of the season? No, not at all. Would I be, you know, would I ever feel comfortable putting them in even as my wide receiver four in a deeper league? No, I think that, yes, they'll have some great weeks. Yes, they'll have some terrible weeks. They're the, you know, the epitome of a, I wouldn't mind them in best ball. But for me, I'm just not, not rostering these guys. I'd rather you know, go and add running backs in this point of a, of a startup. And if I've got them on my roster, I'm probably selling them for, for fab or, you know, a, a ridiculous, you know, undrafted rookie running back that might hit. Um, I just, I just don't like any of them. And and when you put, throw into that, you've got Jared Goff getting the ball in a, a really unexciting offense. Um, basically I want no part of this team unless it's TJ Hawkinson or DeAndre Swift. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I, if I've got a gun to my head, I'm taking Williams. But even then, I'm not confident in it whatsoever. Yeah, I really it, I really liked Tyrell Williams before he went to Oakland. And that first year when he was in Oakland, I, I I had quite a lot of shares of him. He he produced. You know, he caught a touchdown. I think it was four of the first five weeks. It was absolutely obscene start to his career there. And then he got injured and, and disappeared. And you know, yes, at wide receiver ninety two, he could bring that back. I, but I just don't know if I'm ever going to feel comfortable, you know, putting me in my roster starting lineup, basically. Um, so, so moving on from Detroit, we're gonna we're gonna go south, head to South Beach, um, and we've got Miami. So we've got I've, I've included the four receivers. Um, it's really only a, a top three. So you've got Jalen Waddle, who's currently the wide receiver thirty six. You've got Will Fuller, who's currently the wide receiver forty seven. You've got Devontae Parker, who's the wide receiver 58. And then you've got kind of the forgotten man in Preston Williams, who's the wide receiver 104. Um, so are you buying that this offense could could bounce back with, with Tua potentially fully healthy? And, and if so, where, where are you putting your wide receiver chip? Which one are you going for? I think I'll take Waddle out of these, um, although I don't like the price of any of them. Um, I think Fuller has the opportunity, but he's suspended for a couple of games this year. So be wary of that in redraft. I think it might only be one. I think it's one. He did. He served five games last year, didn't he? Did he? So he's suspended for one. But I think he's got a good upside, but I don't know how he's going to do um, injury-wise. I think Waddle is going to come in and by the end of the season become the wide receiver one there. Um, 
I just don't know how quickly that's going to be because I know that Parker isn't going to give up that role very much or very easily. And I know that Fuller uh, will want, because he only signed a one-year deal, so Fuller wants to basically make a bigger payday for him next year. He betted on himself. So if I have to choose, Waddle, but that's purely probably the rookie hype feeding into my brain. Um, yeah. For, for me, so as everybody knows, I'm out on Jalen Waddle. I've, I think his price is absolutely outrageous. Um, I think he was my, I, I can't think of the top of my I think he was my wide receiver seven in terms of the rookies. I just, just don't see it. This is a guy that, yes, showed some incredible flashes in college, was, you know, a highly drafted um, rookie, but I just don't see him putting it together. You've then got, in that same offense, Devontae Parker, who isn't sexy, isn't, you know, going to be exceptional, but I think at wide receiver 58, I fully expect him to outproduce that for at least this year, if not another couple of years. I think he's the, you know, the solid guy. And for me, Will Fuller at wide receiver 47 is an absolute bargain. Yes, he's suspended for one game and, and everybody's holding that over him. It's one game. Chances are, Every single player on your roster is going to miss one game at some point next year. It, it's not going to matter. You've got Will Fuller. He was the wide receiver 10 last year before he got suspended. He has shown that he has got wide receiver one potential. He has been brought into this offense, handpicked. He is on a prove-it deal, as you said. If he can stay healthy, which he showed last year, if he can develop some chemistry with Tua, Will Fuller is easily outpaying wide receiver 47 prices. You're probably having to pay, what, a late seconds to get him at the moment? He is so cheap. And yes, he, he might not produce. But I think the price you're having to pay to get Will Fuller, chances are you can get that in a year, even if he does nothing in Miami. If he is a complete flop in Miami... He's going to go into free agency and he'll probably get the same contract again because speed kills in the NFL and NFL teams will overpay for speed. If he signs a one-year $10 million deal for any team in the NFL, next year he's still going to be in that, what is he, wide receiver 47 now, he's still going to be in that price range. So you're not risking anything by buying Will Fuller. But the potential is obscene. If... For me, he is the dream wide receiver four, wide receiver five that you can stick in a flex spot. And yes, he might not be incredible. Yes, he might not produce on a week-to-week basis, but you're not expecting that at wide receiver 47 prices. If he can show what he did last year on a more consistent basis, you are easily, easily getting return on that investment. To give you an idea of who is going around him, the two guys going ahead of him, Michael Pittman, okay, Michael Pittman's done nothing in the time he spent in Indianapolis last year, and Terrace Marshall, who, again, I appreciate I'm not a Terrace Marshall fan, but this is a rookie that is completely unproven. If I can get for that same price, Will Fuller, motivated on a prove-it-year deal, coming off a a season where he was a top 10 wide receiver before he got suspended, that is an easy, easy buy for me. Yeah, I, as I said at the start, I think Waddle's going to be the one by the end of the season. 
Um, he's got chemistry with Tua, but I do think Fuller is the best value there. Um, I just I struggle with Fuller because of the injury concerns that he had. And yes, he had a good season last year, but he's not played a full season through one reason or another. And I don't know whether you can really bring that or last season down on him um, because of the PED um, uh, suspension. So that's performance enhancing drugs suspension. But I don't know whether you can really bring that down on him, but he's still not played a full season. Yes, he has the upside. And I'm not denying that at all. And I really agree with you. If you can get him for a late second, um, I'm literally, you you convinced me while you were talking and I'm halfway through <laughs> sending an offer for Will Fuller on a, guy, on a guy's uh, team that I know is rebuilding. So I think if you can get him for that sort of price and you're a contender, why not? I and, think, I think yeah. the concern for Will Fuller is if, if Miami aren't a playoff team this year, if Miami don't, put together the type of year that I think they're expecting I think the rest of kind of the NFL and the media are expecting Will Fuller could easily be pushed aside for Jalen Waddle to come in you know they spent a ridiculous high draft pick on him they need him to be a piece to build around moving forward so I think if Miami are bad Will Fuller will probably be pushed aside but if if Miami are competing and serious about competing in the AFC East they can't handhold Jalen Waddle. And to me, that says, okay, we're going to go Will Fuller, Devontae Parker, and we'll work out the wide receiver three, whether it's going to be Preston Williams, whether it's going to be Jalen Waddle dripping in, whether it's going to be Mike Kaziki lining up as that big X. I, I just think that Will Fuller will come in week two and, and everyone will go, oh, yeah, Will Fuller's really good. Will Fuller's really fast. He was a great buy at his price. Well, are that, you not worried that, that are you not worried that in week six or seven people are gonna go, oh yeah, that's why we didn't because he's but just got this injured. Is, but this is why you buy now and you sell once everybody realizes that he's good. You buy him, he puts out a couple of fantastic weeks early on. Everybody's singing, you know, two is the greatest thing since sliced bread, two is, you know, the greatest college quarterback ever, and, and he's gonna be the the second coming of Damarino in Miami, Will Fuller's going to lead us to a Super Bowl. And before he does his hamstring, you sell him for a first plus. And that is massive profit. When This is dynasty. You don't have to stick with the asset forever. All you have to do is buy, wait for him to serve that suspension, wait for people to remember, oh yeah, Will Fuller was really good last year. And then you can sell. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I've spoken about it however many yes. times. You buy and then sell later. But I, if I'm talking straight production for this year, I don't know which one is going to be the best. I just think that Fuller is going to be the one with the highest um, value swing uh, if he does go off. And I think Waddle will come down a couple of spots maybe. But yeah, I, I really struggle with Parker, um, fifth year breakout, and then didn't, do a whole lot yesterday um, last year to, from what I can remember but not not a huge fan of Parker in my mind yeah I think he's as I said he's he's the unsexy one he's the one that will probably have you know solid stats at the end of the year you never feel great starting him you never feel great 
at all. But, you know, yes, he wasn't incredible last year, but he still averaged 12 points a game. Like, he still had, you know, several weeks over 15 fantasy points. You know, he, he still produced a, a decent season. And I think at wide receiver 58, he, he, he's, he's a decent value. He's, uh, yes, I'm, you never feel excited. You never feel great about Parker, but he's a solid value. Um, so then the final receiving core that we're going to talk about. Uh, so probably, I think, the cheapest receiver core, may, maybe outside of Detroit. Um, so that's the, the New England Patriots within that receiving core. So we've got Jacoby Myers. I was a little bit surprised that he is the highest priced receiver asset in this, in this offense. He is wide receiver 62. You've got the newly rich and newly signed Nelson Aguilar at wide receiver 70. Uh, you've got Kendrick Bourne wide receiver 98. And then you've got uh, Nikhil Harry at wide receiver 101. So Liam is the New England Patriots receiving core something you want a piece of at these prices? Is there anyone that, that jumps out? I think Aguilar is the one to own here, and I'm not on the fence anymore, Rich. You'll be glad to know. <laughs> um, I think I'm planting my flag, at least in this offense, on Aguilar. He showed last year that he could do it. Um, my biggest concern is whether Cam is going to get him the ball because we saw last year that he wasn't overly effective in the uh, in the passing game. And when Mac Jones comes in, who knows about that offence? Because we've seen on multiple occasions over the past couple of years when a rookie uh, quarterback takes over an offence, they tend to favour people that may not have been the number one previously. Um, I think Aguilar is definitely the one to own, but... When you look at the wide receiver two, it's still wide open. You've got Myers, as you said, uh, the wide receiver 62, born at the wide receiver 98, and Harry at the 101. So I think I'm not touching Myers at the current ADP because I think he's going to be the two at best. Uh, but born or Harry at the 101 or 98, that's, that's basically droppable. Um, so you're not paying much, if anything, to get them. You're probably picking them off your waivers. Harry might be having to send a third at most. Um, but, yeah, I think one of them is going to grow into that number two role. And I don't think that it's going. the, the New England offence is going to be as bad as we thought it, or that it was last year. So, yeah, I think if I had to choose, I'm probably taking Aguilar one and then born at his current ADP. Yeah, so I think for me, you know, there's a few things that I talk about that I like to follow and and Nelson Aguilar is one of those guys. They paid a lot of money for him. Yes, it was a ridiculous contract before all of the other receivers in free agency got signed, <laughs> but they went out and got him and they are paying him decent money and I think they are going to use him. But he's also the type of receiver that I don't like to roster in terms of that deep threat that you'll look at the end of the season and go, oh, yeah, he had a good good year. But you never feel comfortable starting him. He's, he's not consistent week to week. Jacoby Myers is a guy I, I really like. I think that he's a good route runner. I think that he could be good in that offense. But as you said, wide receiver 62, that, that price is getting scary and getting rich. Um, and I think for me, that's that's probably too rich for my blood. Um, Nikhil Harry, I've, I've talked about a few times. I wrote an article about him. I, I, I just don't 
want to quit him. I was really high on him when he came out. And yes, he has done nothing for two years. Yes, there are trade rumours. Yes, he has been dreadful. But that talent is in there. And at wide receiver 101, I can't believe, I can't remember a first round wide receiver that was going as the 101 in a lot of rookie startups that was being valued as the rookie 101 going into his third season. You know, we, we always used to talk about five, 10 years ago before, before your fantasy time, Liam, I know you're a youngster. <laughs> um, we always used to talk about the third year breakout for wide receivers. And, and yes, that's normally when a guy's produced a little bit in his first or second year. But I, I just think at that wide receiver 101 price, Harry is basically free. And I'm, if, if we're, t- we're taking punts on guys in that value, why not take a punt on a guy that had a fantastic college profile, was highly drafted in the NFL, that could produce, you know? Um, and then Kendrick Bourne. Like one of the guys that I respect their opinion most when it comes to NFL wide receivers is, is a guy called Nate Tice, who was a front office, a college quarterback, played a bit in the NFL, worked in a number of front offices, now works for the athletic. His, his kind of the way he breaks down wide receivers is fantastic. And Kendrick Bourne is one of his guys. He thinks he talks so highly of Kendrick Bourne. You've then got add in the contract, you know, the Patriots is a three year, $15 million contract. That, that's not cheap. You know, yes, it's only five and a half million guaranteed or whatever it is, but they've gone out and got him for a reason. And I think that wide receiver 98, he's the kind of guy that I could easily see when Mac Jones becomes the starting quarterback of this offense, Kendrick Bourne could be his best friend because Kendrick Bourne is a guy that can win at all three levels of the field. He is a guy that is a natural route runner and a natural hands catcher. And I could easily see Kendrick Bourne skyrocketing in price i don't think the ceiling is ever there to be a top 36 wide receiver but if you're just looking like you always talk about liam for an asset that you can buy now and spin off for a profit in six months time i think you've got to go and look at kendrick porn he's a guy that's basically free you can probably pick him up on a lot of your waiver wires and I really believe that when Matt Jones becomes this quarterback, and, and there's people out there saying if Matt Jones becomes starting quarterback, the Patriots didn't spend a first-round pick on Matt Jones for him to sit. Yes, Cam Newton is going to start. Yes, Cam Newton will probably start the majority of the year. But there are not many rookie quarterbacks drafted in the first round that don't play at any point in the rookie season. Don't worry, Rich. I saw through those shots that you were taking then. <laughs> I, I think that... Kendrick Bourne, as soon as Mac Jones, who is, you know, a very accurate passer, he's going to want a guy that he knows where he is and he knows will get open. And that is what Kendrick Bourne is. And I think I wouldn't be shocked if in a year's time, you know, when we're doing this pod next year, Liam, that we're talking about Kendrick Bourne as a, a top 50 wide receiver. Now, you, you're not going to get rich. I think you're probably picking up for free, maybe spending a fourth round pick on him. But you might be able to send, sell him for a second next year. And and that's profit. And, and that's what you've got to do to turn your dynasty roster. You know, if you keep making those trades throughout the year, your roster will improve. Yeah, not even selling him at the end of the year. I'd probably sell him mid-season when he's producing with Matt Jones. And, and people are looking for those points rather than looking at value, which during the off-season, most people are not really looking for, for the points. Um 
and and that's where you sell born for probably like a late second to a contender who may need that fourth or fifth bye week option once they've had a a big injury or something and i think mac jones as you said people are saying if but i definitely think when for this season um i don't know when that is going to be but i definitely don't think he's going to sit out for the whole season there's only one quarterback i could actually foresee sitting out for the whole season i think that's trey lance but I think that's the only one out of these five quarterbacks that went in the first round this year. I think that's the only one where I can actually find a clear path for that to happen. I think Mac Jones will come in mid-season and, or at least later on in the season and Bourne will become his his new favourite toy. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's Well, that, that concludes the pod. I, I hope you've all enjoyed our debates and, and Liam finally getting off the fence and, and giving his opinion. Um, if you, you disagree, if there's any, you know, the players that you think we've overlooked or, or any battles, by all means, let us know. We're always happy to have a chat. We're always happy to, to hear people's opinions. Um, so Liam, if people are wanting to reach out, where can they find you on Twitter? Um, as always, you can find me at the FSA tweets, the same for my sleeper, um, sleepy username if you don't have twitter and you still want to get in touch um yeah you can basically find me anywhere at the fsa tweets if you look how about you rich where, the, where can they find you and i'm i'm at dynasty island um so yeah so thank you very much for listening guys um as mentioned last week we have got those listener leagues going live soon um i believe it will be once ffcc is is all concluded um it's all a little bit crazy with that at the moment um but yeah keep your eyes peeled as liam and i teased last week we've got a fantastic dynasty league that i'm really excited about because i think it's a, a fantastic format um we've also obviously got the unique just giving page if you're competing in the ffcc and, and haven't donated please go ahead and do that we are raising hoping to raise five thousand pounds this year for an incredible cause um, that is you know very close to all of our hearts so please go and donate help us hit that target um, and that's it we will see you again next week we've got a, a very exciting guest a very exciting show lined up um, and yeah I'll see you next week HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PREP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PREP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.